Welcome to the Redeeming the Dirt podcast. This is Noah Sanders, and I'm glad that you can join us today. Today we're going to be talking about um, agriculture and a first world context as we think about using farming, gardening um, as a way to help people with food security, with um, having a heart for the last, the least, the lost in our communities, and bringing the hope of Jesus to people. And it's not a... Uh, a foreign concept a lot of times um, to use agriculture for outreach in uh, especially third world countries where people are really um, dealing with hunger and acute hunger and starvation on a, on a daily basis and they really need help in that area and there are definitely people who have uh, used gardening and um, agriculture with different community things community gardening and stuff in the US and other first world contexts but as uh, with my background in foundations for farming and learning uh, a lot about the impact of how Christ-centered stewardship and approach to care for the land can really transform people's lives, um, the training and mentorship that I've gotten has come from an African context. And part of my passion has been how do these same principles apply um, in a first world context where a lot of my neighbors are not uh, worrying about where their next meal is going to be coming from and uh, and many people that are poor are used to getting handouts and um, are not actually interested in often doing the work um, to grow a bit of food for themselves so how do we bring some of these to bear uh, in the context that uh, that I find myself here in the US and um, what are those things that we can be using um, to be able to reach out into our own communities, and I know this is a question that many of y'all have had as well as I've talked with some of you, and today I'm grateful to be able to have Nick and Anna Heisman from um, the UK. They've been staying with us for about a month now, actually, with our family on our home in Farmstead, and uh, it's been just a real blessing to get to uh, spend time with uh, them and their three children, two daughters and son, and our kids have had quite a blast and this is actually their last day with us, and we're like, we need to get in a podcast and talk about some of these things that we've been discussing, a little bit about their story to share with uh, some of you as they continue on the journey that God has them on. Um, but uh, but yeah, I'll go, just go. They've been working with Foundations for Farming uh, Materials and, and, and Agriculture in the UK, so they have uh, some experience there to bring um, to, the, and, and some of the same questions as we talk about how does this stuff apply. Um, in a in a more first world context and how we can use agriculture to reach uh, people and to serve in our communities. So yeah, today we're going to talk a little bit about, let them share some of their story and discuss this topic a bit. So I'd like to uh, welcome Nick, Anna, to the, uh, to the show today. Hi. <laughs> so if y'all could uh, just share a little bit about uh, your family, who you are, and kind of how you got into this space of um, kind of combining, um, yeah, faith and farming in a way that uh, y'all have been able to reach out in your in your community so far and stuff. Yeah, so we've we've been around foundations for ten to twelve years. First met Brian um, a bit more than twelve years ago, um, and we've been using that mainly to work with people who've been long term marginalised with unemployment, um, working in a four acre wool garden in the south of England until. July of 2022. Mm. Um, it's, 
it's been amazing to see and to take and see the yeah the, how the land has helped them but also how bringing in as a as a christ-centered and god's centered stuff in it um, and, and looking at the things that he's asked us to be responsible for and taking those very seriously um, as well as the, the people and the soil Sometimes, as I joke with somebody somewhere, um, you redeem the soil, you redeem the soul. Mm. Yeah. Anna, did you grow up farming or in the in agriculture as a as a lifestyle or thing that you were doing? Um, for about the first ten years of my life, I kind of lived in the um, suburbs, I guess, or kind of between the city centre and the suburbs. And um, we had actually a really good sense of community. Um, my parents had a hairdressers and a hardware store and we lived above those two businesses and we were next to kind of the corner shop as we would call in the UK uh, so like a grocery store and um, there was a real sense of kind of being in each other's houses but um, when we were 10 we moved and my father bought a plot of land and he decided he wanted to build a property there um, to do something for God they didn't know what but they just kind of stepped out in faith and bought the property and um, we then started a small holding or a homestead so we had some chickens some ducks some geese a llama um, a few sheep uh, a few pigs a few goats to milk um, so yeah it was kind of a, a different very different sort of second half of my childhood to the first 10 years so we're always talking about on the show kind of you know one of the things that intriguing about what God's been doing in the church recently which which foundations is just a part it's just kind of this intersection of ministry and agriculture which has not always been something that's been connected that much in the church so um, obviously right now y'all are both so let's just talk about the you know the ministry side of what y'all feel called to first of all um, you know y'all are not just your typical we're just working a job and going to church and that's just kind of like all all our spirit all our christian life is y'all seem to have more of a you know this a ministry calling that god's put on your life so tell me a little bit about how y'all like the the history of that kind of what what is how did your family get called into this kind of the space of of ministry and what is that kind of mission that y'all feel like is uh god's given you um that's maybe it's linked to agriculture but it's not just agriculture right so, so yeah, so I, I grew up in rural England in North Yorkshire um, and had, uh, my father was connected with agriculture, but him to, uh, I feel like I grew up in a house that dissuaded me from doing, I had a lot of interaction with it. Uh, so I decided to be an engineer and do that kind of thing. Um, but was really struck kind of bringing a bit of faith into it along the story of, uh, I read a book about a guy called George Muller in England and just the realness of his faith um, and so really in my 30s spent a lot of my time working with long-term homeless um, and working night shelters and homeless hostels but always within that was drawn towards um, how do we help them beyond giving them a house and a meal how do we help them have meaning and purpose um, and that took a and, and um, after that I actually went in and trained as a teacher and did education um, and again, just seeing within education the how people were off or young students were often just being led towards another qualification and not necessarily what was their calling, what was their vocation, what was it they really wanted to do. 
um, and that led us to to ending up being involved with a farmhouse with um, homeless people with a small market garden and that gave us the chance to work and and bring in this working on land and um, meaning to people and um, yeah that that for me I think I realized this would be kind of in my late 30s there was bits of me that came alive again to be working on the land and realizing that the time I spent having my first vegetable garden at five six years old and just spending a lot of time outside were things that God had deposited in me um, and that I was excited by uh, and so coming back to that has felt like this was something that I wanted to do um, I think with many things with growing even when one takes out a calling from God many people will feel like it's it's got a calling in some way um, and stuff so then seeing hearing Brian talk in 2008 so, um, was just a man who I clearly saw bring soil and growing really alive with the Bible as well um, and that just set me personally not not a straightaway change that time it looked like still being a teacher and growing a few vegetables on an allotted plot just for us as a as a married couple but I think it started us on a journey where we started looking at other wider things yeah and for those of you who may be listening for the first time the Brian we're referring to is the guy who started foundations for farming you can go back in some previous episodes where I do an interview with him but a really inspiring just humble man with a vision for the land and for God and for the poor and it's hard to interact with him without really being um, touched uh, definitely so Anna, what about you as far as just coming along for that journey? Like, when did that, um, when did God begin to connect some of those things about, you know, what he was calling y'all to with, what was the impact you wanted to see? And then how did agriculture kind of come into the picture? Mm-hmm. I think as Nick said, when we were first married, we had two um, allotments, as they're known in England, um, where we were growing our own food um, and um, it's very traditional to kind of get a space like that and start digging it over um, and you spend a large part of time kind of you know digging it over and Nick was very faithful in digging um, and then when we heard Brian's story about oh you don't need to dig it's like wow okay um, and, and we tried we tried that and it worked which was incredible but then as Nick's alluded to this kind of heart that we that we know God's given both of us for people on the margins um, we, we just kind of, even when we were first married, people who were on the margins of society just ended up in our house. Mm-hmm. And uh, they helped us do work on our house. Um, but more than that, they just came and hung out. And that's just something that's um, continued. So um, working the land is a really good opportunity because when you're working together on a piece of land or looking after an animal together, um, you know, whether it's rounding up some sheep or going to feed chickens or collect eggs um you know cleaning out animals whatever it is it, it's giving you a task to do so it's um the focus isn't on the person it kind of disarms people a little bit people are more likely to open up and in terms of discipleship it's a really good opportunity to walk alongside people um you know small numbers of people we're not talking about multitudes but actually seeing the one and just being able to um, really understand where they're at and walk alongside them so agriculture has been a brilliant tool for to enable that 
Nick, could you share kind of uh, what are some of the, a bit of the context of what y'all did for the last eight years and maybe some of the lessons that you feel like you learned from that time as a family? So um, it's not as a family, it's not, not been a straightforward journey. I think living in a, children in, in public school and working in the garden we did do it as a family but I think there were a lot of things that were also calling upon our children's attention um, I think maybe we'll later allude to just some of the trip we've been on now and how that's probably brought some of our children back and grounded them back again into the bigger picture I think for us some of the journey was over a, that period of eight years we worked with around 70 individuals um, without because we weren't funded by anybody we, we had a very free ability to look and do what we felt was the right thing and um, that led us to developing our own structure and Leanna will talk a little bit about how the assessment tool that we used within that but from the ground side of things for us it it, it led us to see the importance of a uh, no one else I'm talking about a trellis thing i.e. a structure that people, when think when everything else is chaotic, so so particularly dealing with people in long term chaotic lifestyles, much of everything else can be chaotic. Um, and as Anna's alluded to already just now, um, you might be working with somebody whose whose life is in chaos by having a structure a trellis, a, that they know that okay, I've got a they've got a board and they've got to follow it and plant a garlic every six inches. And then they move the board and they plant another garlic every six inches. That leads into a rhythm. And sometimes in that rhythm over a period of half an hour, an hour, some of that other chaos that's going on in their lives can start to ease and that they feel a safety and an ability to open up. I think beyond that, I think by creating really good structures and trellises, um, enabling individuals to achieve some amazing things. So for me, the biggest story of that would be somebody who was third generation of unemployment so his his parents had never worked his grandparents had never worked uh, they'd lived on um, securities from the government um, and he planted a 120 foot row of with I think eight in each row so around a thousand garlic and we plant that in October in the UK and it comes up through the ground around February and so it's poking its head through the ground and I was able to look with this individual and just say, look how straight those rows are. You did that. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. So just to be able to affirm in him that he was capable of doing something to a really high standard and enabling them to build on that more. So I think that, that's been the biggest impact for me is seeing how we can often overcomplicate things um, and sometimes coming back to simplicity opens it up to a wider group and then also in personally in my own life has just brought me back to the simplicity and, and realizing that if I get the things right in the simplicity and, and I haven't found anything yet beyond growing and, and agriculture and gardening, um, particularly of food that, that does that as well. Okay, I think there's some great woodwork projects going on and some amazing other things, but um, yeah, the growing space and working on the the land and with the soil, I think is a fairly unique 
um, God-given gift. Gift is not the right word. Resource, because it's it's available to all. Mm. Anna, do you want to share any more about kind of what uh, what it looked like with the program that y'all worked with in uh, in the UK? Because I know some of the people that I talked to, you know, they're they're at their church, they're out there, you know, mm. they're on their homestead, they're they maybe have an opportunity through their church, but it's really helpful to just continue to hear these examples, like Nick is sharing of what it's looked like for other people in the past as people are trying to pray about, you know, what kind of opportunities they have around them and uh, learning what things have worked and, and what kind of fruit y'all have been able to see. Yeah, so um, the project that we were running, we took referrals from um, the local job centre. That's the place in the UK where you go to find a job if you're out of work. Um, direct from um, like community mental health teams, people with mental health problems. Um, organizations who were working with people with learning disabilities and then also um, some people were able to self-refer to us as well and um, as Nick said mostly these people didn't have a job um, but we had a whole variety of people um, kind of maybe recovering from some some kind of crisis in their life um, or you know something had kind of destabilized them and like Nick said actually they needed some security for some just their whole life they've been told you're rubbish you're never going to be able to do anything and actually just being able to call out what God had put in them was was an incredible opportunity um, but in terms of what it looked like um, we would have them in the garden with us um, when they would come on the first day uh, we would um, do I don't like the name of it but we call it a self-assessment um, and that's basically a tool that we developed um, to for them themselves to see how they're doing so that wasn't me saying this is how you're doing but actually you know asking them how are you doing but actually giving them a tool in their hands that they could um use um and it was based on the foundations for farming if you want to name the nine can you think you can remember the nine I might not be able to remember the nine, but i'll give it a go <laughs> so it's based on the four foundations for farming principles so the on time um, to a high standard with little or no waste and with joy so they were the four of the nine criteria the other ones were um you know their ability to work in a team their level of confidence um their skills and readiness for work outside of the place that we were working with them um their kind of idea and ideas and appetite um for the future and then i can't remember number nine i'm sorry um but actually um, just just using that as a tool so we, we do it on day one and then we do it every month and we'd use that one-on-one -on -one with them to set goals um, about where they wanted to be and very holistic you know looking at not only um, you know their time with us in the garden but actually what else is going on in your life right now you know how are you eating how are you spending your leisure time you know do you need to do more exercise you know how can we help signpost you but very holistic and very much tailor-made to the individual so very individualistic um, and then we use that as a tool to set goals and then the next month we kind of okay you know how are you doing and again it wasn't me saying you haven't done this it was okay how, you know how has the last month gone and what sort of things have worked well what have you struggled with you know how do we need to adapt those goals so that they're helping you and a bit like Nick said so you've got this trellis in place mm. to help you move forward and often with that it was us or Anna might have some time with them and her being able to say to them, well, you've rated yourself as three out of 10. 
that you're struggling with that but i've seen you do these things in the mm. last month yeah. so we're lifting them up mm. it wasn't used as a to, to try and tie people down mm. but almost the other way to lift them up and track progress yeah and yeah. for them to be able to see actually you rated yourself a month ago as this mm. and you've now rated yourself as a five or a six mm. hey what's changed oh well, this and this has happened well how you know for them to see that they're they're moving in a positive but also it, it gave us a ability to unpack when if they'd gone from from let's say six to to four them to be able to identify well why has that happened and that they can do something about that mm. that, it, that it was just but but all the time working outside in the garden gave us that system in itself doesn't isn't anything special without the relationship the mm. work in the ground builds the relationship mm. and the relationship is key to it all mm. yeah because it's only as much as they're willing to trust like the transparency and the trust that you have with them for them to be able to honestly self-assess without right. feeling judged or you know like they have to give the right answers or something that's only going to be able to work if you have that mm. relationship mm. yeah and you as nick said you absolutely had to just you know weed <laughs> and weed or you know or so or whatever based on the time of year to work alongside people to build that trust um yeah the other great thing that happened in the garden was we also had a lot of peer-to-peer um, encouragement mm. so people that were there in the garden with us who'd maybe been there a little bit longer coming alongside other people who maybe had been there um, less time and actually just really being able to encourage them and again affirm in in them you know what we deposited in 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 the other person as well so yeah that was really exciting to kind of see um, whereas obviously the culture is kind of okay you know how can you get ahead and put other people down but actually right. The kind of the culture that we were trying to encourage was this okay we're we're a team and we can you know we can mm. build each other up and um, you know let's celebrate when somebody does something and it's good yeah so. and as far as you know numbers aren't everything but it does help help sometimes show the difference that approaching something with a more holistic christ-centered approach um, I think you shared some t- statistics about the success of people going back into the job force or something like that. I don't know if you wanted to share that. Yeah, so so we, as Anna's alluded to, the job center, the, the place that people go, where most of our referrals came to. And we were really clear with them at the beginning, quite inspired by George Muller, really. And we said, look, if we want to work with you, we would like you to send us the hardest people to reach. The mm. ones that everybody all of your coaches are like they've been here forever they're not making any progress and so many of them so, so that in the uk they would broach that as if somebody's been out of work for more than six months i mean some of the guys we work with have been out for more than 10 years um but the statistics seem to say that if you've been out of work for more than six months you're you are under a under four percent chance of returning to long-term work mm. um, so um, when we it, things got interesting with COVID and other things so our data is best kept up to COVID and um, just before COVID um, we were running at about a 40% return to long-term work so 10 times what the expected wow. um, national average would be and I think as, as Noah as in the holistic and the ground and the team I think yeah one of the other things is that um, for much of the work that 
when you're working like this, you're heavily dependent upon volunteers. And um, personally, we found it a lot easier to get volunteers to come to work in a garden mm. and enjoy growing things and be part of our team that we became really heavily dependent upon uh, with some really high caliber people that were absolute angels and gifts from God. Uh, but for them, they, they considered it pure joy to come and be part of the team in the garden. Um, it, it just really was a much easier place to create a very level, non-hierarchical yeah. place that everybody felt equal. Everybody felt like there wasn't a job. You know, the reasons why somebody couldn't do a job were physical, um, and that didn't matter whether you were on day one, year three, as a trainee or you were a volunteer or you were myself um, it didn't matter who did what job mm. um, we did them according to what needed to be done mm. um, yeah. yeah and agriculture is just one of those things that you know it has a degree of, of built in um, you know humbling or where it just helps you realize you know that, that things just take time there's no shortcuts um, and it just requires a love and a commitment to the process uh, that it doesn't really, there's no shortcuts for special people. You know, it's just the mercy of God. Of, of We go out there and we sow and we plant and we see God do a miracle when mm -hmm. things come up and it grows. And when you can share that with other people and they can see that and experience it, you know, it's something really special. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, go ahead. Most of um, most of the people that we were working with, when they went back into employment, they they weren't going into agricultural jobs. But mm. that's the thing we loved about Foundations for Farming is the four principles are just so valuable mm. for life. Yes, you know, um, so the on time, you know, to a high standard with minimal waste and with joy. If you apply those to any employer, what employer is not going to want to give you a job right. and keep you <laughs> if if that's your attitude to yeah. work and so. That, you know that's what we'd say to the people that we're working with that you know these are life skills mm. and actually if you can grasp these then they're good things for your life so. yeah and that's I think the beauty of foundations for farming and what we've tried to do with redeeming the dirt is I, some of the the real like goal is for people to go away more in love with Jesus and more able to apply you know their faith in what they do and I remember one of our students at a training saying even if I never gardened after this class, I could still apply all the principles I've learned, which I think is great, you know, because mm -hmm. what we want to be doing in anything is is discipling people using the example of our calling and what God's given us in our life to be able to be, you know, a launch pad so that they can be more effective in what God's given them to do as they, they learn from our journey. So speaking of journeys, y'all, uh, I'd love for y'all to share a little bit about the, this next season of y'all's journey in uh you've recently been putting a lot of miles on a uh, on a what we call a van y'all call i think a, a bus right 15 van bus yeah, somewhere in between 15 she's, passenger dodge van she's effectively uh she's affectionately known as bertha bertha, bertha. the bus <laughs> um but yeah we've um the last five months we've driven about eleven thousand or more than eleven thousand road miles uh, across North America. So we started our trip in Oregon. We drove up through Washington State, up into Vancouver, um, and then up through the lakes area, 
um, up into Jasper National Park and then across to Edmonton, down through Drumheller and Saskatchewan, um, across Manitoba, through Ontario, into Quebec, and then down the kind of east side of um, states. the states. So Virginia, Virginia, down through Alabama to Mexico, Mexico across to Florida, Florida to Georgia, back here to Alabama, and then we've got what feels like just the home leg, which is, but instead, I think we've still got 2,000 or more miles. We're, from here, from <laughs> Alabama, we're, we're heading to Arkansas tomorrow, Oklahoma later in the week. Don't know for the bit after that, then a bit in California, and then we'll, we'll return Bertha to her home in the desert in Oregon. <laughs> Um, where she may well fall into retirement thing, um, and we're we're flying home on the first of February. Mm. So, what kind of sparked your trip, and yeah, what 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 has God kind of done? So, you know, in that step of faith to come on such a a journey. So, um, at the start of um, twenty twenty two, we just really felt um, our time where we've been the last eight years coming to an end. Um, we felt God calling us out to. Um, look again at, at the calling that he's given us in terms of land and marginalized people, uh, food and food security and community and um, we just had various contacts with people in the US and, and North America and so we decided okay we are going to make contact with those people and if they say they can host us um, then we're going to book our flights and take our kids out of school and just go for it. And so, long story short, that's what we did. Um, we do you want to talk so about so yeah so we 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 felt like we uh, with the foundations within the UK, we we'd done some amazing things in the garden where we were, um, and been really well supported by the the conference centre that we were part of. Um, but felt God calling us on to something else, still with foundations, still with soil and agriculture, but just not sure what that next thing was, not sure whether the UK was, was or wasn't. Um, so it felt like it was right to, to step out um, reading bits of, Ab of Genesis at the beginning of the year again, and, and just seeing Abraham stepping out and leaving everything he knew and was safe. Um, and I think, it felt like that's the journey God had us on. So very much seeing in the places and the journeys we've just travelled on, be it from central Manitoba to Quebec, to Joel Salatin in Virginia, or working in the um, places in Mexico, in, in, the, in the Colonas in Mexico, or over in Florida, at Echo, or back here in Alabama with Noah, just consistently seeing what what is this what's coming over the horizon from a from a food perspective but also seeing increasing numbers of people feeling a sense of hopelessness just in day-to-day -day life um, and just i think we've we've really felt god talk to us as we've gone round and really heard him clearly say that the next the season is now right for us to go back to the uk and that was by no means definite when we when we left um but yeah go back to the uk and look at how do we work something out with foundations it's been a great month with noah just looking at the work he's done with the well water garden and i think 
it feels like that's a resource that we can um, excitingly take back to the UK. That, that feel, it feels like um, we've had an amazing time as a family. Um, I think we can often, um, as society, undervalue, we can um, have people as the career or breadwinners within the house who are just, that's their focus, that I've got to get this and I've got to get these resources for my family. And it's easy to forget the relationships within the family. Um, we've been privileged to have six months, an awful lot of the time being sleeping in the same room as five of us um, and just doing stuff together all the time. Um, and I think it's helped us a lot as a family, as well as helped us hopefully see where God is taking us. Any other comments for you, like Anna, as far as your takeaways or what the Lord's been speaking to you this trip? Um, it, we've just learned so much. So before we um, kind of got on the plane, um, I really felt God say to um, us as we were packing our house up, okay, you think this trip is all about farming and connecting with farmers and people who are growing food, you know, in sustainable ways and um, community. And But actually what, what this trip is about is about your family and um, hearing me. And um, this trip has been amazing for that. Um, you know, it's not been idyllic uh, for any of you. You know, we didn't get on the plane and our children and ourselves, you know, we weren't immediately redeemed um, or have, you know, personality transplants, you know, so there's still squabbles and um, all that kind of thing. But actually there's just a real, um, a closeness um, in our family and We've just had so many answers to prayer on our journey um, and you know our, our kids can testify to that they, they've had answers to prayer and it's just been a really good um, faith journey for us all to have been on and um, yeah as, as Nick's alluded to we don't know uh, where we're coming back to in the UK for sure um, but we know that we're gonna be out working foundations for farming um, there and we're just trusting that God's got the, the perfect place for us. He knows what's on our hearts. And so we're just um, standing firm um, to that calling. And um, and yeah, it's, it's just been good. Being here with Noah and Dorothy has been brilliant. Just so humbling. Uh, these guys have been, you know, so generous. And yeah, just really in terms of, you know, humility and um, the, the self. Um, oh, what's it called that? Uh, you know, servant-hearted. Sorry, servant-hearted leadership. You know, these guys are the real deal. So it's been very humbling to be here. And uh, Dorothy is the most patient person I have ever met. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's just been amazing to be here. We've we've learned a lot. It's been a lot of fun. So the topic we kind of started off with was. How does this apply to the first world? You know, a lot of times we'll talk about agriculture. We'll talk about these kind of things. And uh, people that we share with will kind of come back and say, people in my church just, they don't really, you know, get it. They, they feel like agriculture is a bit of a distraction from what we're really supposed to be focused on as the church. Or that's really great. We want to support people doing that in these other parts of the world where people have real problems. But none of us are starving to death here in our community nobody you know there's plenty of food in the grocery store i mean some people are becoming more aware of 
of food supply issues and things, but as y'all think about your calling to bring this kind of thing into a first world context, what would you say to people that kind of question its relevance in the UK? You know, what are you, what are you kind of going to say going back? <laughs> so my very short answer would be read Henry and the Great Society. <laughs> um, but I, I think, um, and, and that would be a very hard answer. That, that mm -hmm. would be a, um, and I think. And that's a book that you can find online, free PDF, Henry and the Great Society. If you haven't read it, it's a very challenging book written in the 1960s. Um, and I think um, it, it's a long, I can read that and feel, okay, I, I get that and I'm really excited. But for, for anybody who's listening, who's maybe at the beginning of this journey or facing a context where, as, as Noah has alluded to, people just don't get it. Um, I think just being able to be around people, I, I think, um, and helping people kind of be able to see life in m more simple terms. I think, again, Brian, but Brian, Audrey would again, just signpost it back to Jesus, that Jesus's ministry was a simple one. Mm. He was surrounded by Pharisees with just been listening to chosen and i can't 600 and something laws mm. i.e extra layers of complicity are taken away and, and jesus pulled it right back to note simply in fact you know simply to two commandments <laughs> um, yeah yeah and and i think that um actually what what that book henry and the great society comes down to is actually if if you've got um shelter food and something else that I can't remember um, and you learn to have contentment in these things you'll find real joy deep mm. joy that can't and I think um, I'd encourage anybody go go on the journey yourself yeah whatever that journey might look like but by growing or doing or being involved in something that's soil based um, embrace that journey and then just see how God opens that up to others for some it it might be very quick as in um the church might ask them to to, to do a garden somewhere but others it, it may take um months years tens of years of just being faithful with this little thing and then knowing uh, and that our story would be one of hearing brian being faithful with that and being faithful with the first calling into that garden house then faithful at the conference center and then we have faith for whatever the next thing is um, so, um, as Anna said, it's not be it from a family perspective. It's 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 not been a road without any bumps, hills. Mm. Um, I, I like. I think it comes from um, the sacred romance, possibly where it says we we stand on a crossroads with a very straight road where society is telling us everything we need and what we need to do, and there's another road that we feel called to that's twisted through the woods the trees and the bushes and everything else and i think yeah that's the journey i think we've chosen and i think just encourage others if you're standing at that point yeah i encourage you to go on the twisty windy one that you're not quite sure where it's going to go but um with faith and trusting in god yeah but you're following jesus down it and that's what gives the peace you know i just encourage anybody that may be resonating with what you know nick is sharing and Anne about their story you know literally they're here at our house, you know, looking in about a month to be flying back to the UK, having, you know, 
inklings of a vision, but no real idea of what's what's coming next for them. And that seems, from a worldly point of view, to be crazy. Uh, but to see them and to hear them, there's such a there's a there's such a peace there. Not a peace in oh well this you know in, in this kind of insane well who cares whatever. But like they've got the sobriety of. You know how weighty it is, how weighty it is to follow Christ in this and to and to leave things behind. But there's this peace and this trust that I would encourage anybody who to that that, that may be wrestling with something God may be calling you to that seems crazy is is just to realize there's the safest place to be is right where God's called you to be. And in the adventures are uh, involve unknown risk hardship all that but isn't it what all of us want to look back and know we held nothing back and there was nothing we would say no to god on and i think it's neat just to be doing this podcast now while y'all are still in the midst of that in the uncomfort in the discomfort right <laughs> in the unknown because i'm looking forward to hearing the testimony you know as it, hopefully we can do a future one to, to hear what god's done in this but i hope y'all can that are listening can kind of grasp grasp the significance of christ's peace in the midst of something a journey like this and and again maybe to encourage some that we're in a recent conversation while we've been here with noah and with some of noah's friends and we were just talking about well actually the, the easiest thing for us to do would be to apply for american citizenship come and buy 50 acres in alabama and set up down the road from Noah. i, I can see how all of what i've learned from noah and joel and many other people is applicable financially it's doable uh, we could make that happen um but that doesn't seem possible where we sit right now in the uk from the cost of land and just different levels of of, of uh, red, tape. red tape and mm. regulation um, so for us actually and, and this friend commented that for most people the easiest option is to go home and carry out what you've been asked to do at home where which is comfortable um, but we would quite happily say now the easiest option would be to move to Alabama or Manitoba and go and do it. The hardest option is to go home and and work it out there. But actually, uh, when God calls you, you know that he's got the resources. Um, and he hasn't shown us those at the moment, but we're trusting him for them. Mm. Yeah, and I think just recognizing that when we embrace that call to, like you say, wh whether you want to call it the marginalized or the last, least, and lost or the poor, um, the way we really define that according to the gospel is the fact that we all, without Christ, are that, that, that group, right? And we still are, even with Christ, but he's redeeming us and he's giving us hope in that that we can then begin to offer to other people, not because we have any better merit or smarts than in them, but that is our mission now, is to pass that on. And so it's easy to see certain types of poverty and brokenness, you know, that are right in your face, like a starving child or, you know, things like that if you go into certain parts of the world. And, uh, and yet, uh, in some cases, that's easier to address and then types of uh, different types of brokenness and and darkness that we experience in the first world you know and and just i think the very things that make it hard for you to go back to the uk in in some sense is are some of the very things that god wants the some of the very dark the, the 
it's the darkness that you're being called to bring a light into right mm -hmm. and and that's you know what god wants to do the miracle in and uh and i think that's what makes it relevant like pertinent in the first world is if we can learn to see with god's eyes if we can as a friend of mine said we need to ask god to help us to have eyes to see where the kingdom isn't mm -hmm. that we can all of a sudden you know realize how much need there is in any part of the world that we're in in any culture that we're in and i think the beauty of agriculture and, and it's and perhaps why god is choosing to call people into agriculture and use this as a tool is it's it's such a uh, a contrast to in the first world especially the, the the lives that we live like you were saying where god the genius of god is in, as brian oldridge says is in his simplicity mm -hmm. And um, Satan loves to just crowd out the Holy Spirit or the conviction of the Holy Spirit through noise and busyness and you know complexity and man-made environments and alternative realities and media. And when you get out in a garden in the quiet with the reality of the seasons and you see God, whether you know you're seeing him or not, through what he's has been made, then um, it begins to open doors whether it's you're working with a rich person who's dealing with depression or a poor person, you know, who hasn't learned faithfulness or whatever it is, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a tool that if we are humble enough to take that and bring it not in our wisdom and our, you know, genius and I'm an expert in agriculture, but in this simplicity of, well, I'm just bringing you simple principles with the heart of Jesus and it can change lives, then God's looking for those of us who are willing to do that. And, uh, and I know that um, he will honor the Heisman family going to UK with that heart and that vision. And I know that he'll honor anybody who's willing to um, step out in faith and um, make a sacrifice to the Lord that you can never outgive God and he will not waste a single thing that we offer to him. Um, it may not be used in the way that we thought it should have been. <laughs> But it will always be better, you know, and the fruit will always be greater, even if we don't get to be the ones that see it. And uh, and I think uh, with you having the vision to do it as a family together, you know, going that just that in and of itself will be an incredible opportunity for the Lord to, to use your family in the UK. But also um, it will be incredibly difficult as well because it will be such a threat, you know, to what the enemy wants to do. So. Uh, as we wrap up here, um, are there any particular things people can be praying for you about um, in this next, you know, season or just for the UK in, in general? Um, somebody said to us um, as we were about to leave, um, actually, the UK is going to be a very different place when you return um, to what it is, um, you know, now. And that was in August. And, um, and we know that it is, you know, from speaking to friends and family. Um, and so we know that there's massive need. Um, and so I think just prayers that um, we, we know that God's going to put us in the right place. Um, so prayers would probably be around um, mainly our children, um, that they would just not feel anxious about where that's going to be, but that they would know, you know, we're in the center of God's will and that we're going to be where he wants us to be. And, um, and yeah, just just that peace that we have now 
won't you know won't wane <laughs> as we mm. as we get closer to going back to the uk and not knowing where we're going to be and what we're going to be doing but yeah i think they're the two main things and i think yeah within that and alluding to what nurse said earlier just of um being able to hear his voice and listen to his voice mm. um and in that place just uh hear his voice and drown out the other things that are not of him mm. uh, for him to uh, as um in the film we watched the other night and the you know there's the yes it's easy to say well there's that sin on that side but then on the other side there's all the really great things that are great things to do but they're the things that god has called somebody else to do mm. not us and so for us to just hear what he's called us to do um, and to be faithful in trusting him to give us what we need to do that and not try and yeah worry about the resources um, mm. but to trust that he's got the resources mm. so good well i really appreciate y'all taking the time on our last evening here to uh to share some of your story grateful for my wife watching all the kids downstairs while we've been uh, doing this and uh any closing comments or thoughts that you you want to share with uh no thanks for y'all for listening no thank you yeah if anybody uh listening happens to be in the uk or wants to reach out to uh nick and anna um just contact me and uh and i'll be glad to uh try to connect you i'm really looking forward to the the team that god raises up of people with a similar heart and vision to to come along to really serve the uk um, in in this realm so I'll just close us with prayer and then uh, yeah we'll, we'll sign up Lord we just thank you so much for the fact that you work through our lives that you are calling us uh, to an adventure with Jesus in many different ways and many different spaces as your body and uh, we are grateful for you including us and what you're doing through agriculture and the lives that you want to change just give us uh, um, just continued faith in, uh, in what you've called us to i just pray for the heathsman family lord that you would just answer the prayers that they they just shared here lord of uh of how you can just support them in in as they're following you lord as they go back to the uk and uh and just safe travels the rest of their trip here in the u.s and just thank you for our time uh, together uh, now and also over this past month with our family just please bless the seeds that have been planted in both of our family's hearts lord and also in the hearts of those listening today, thank you for every single one of them, Lord, and just help us to uh, to grow in our faith and our love for you. And please use us, Lord, um, to uh, to bring many people into your kingdom and to be a light in this dark world, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, well, thank you all again for listening. We'll talk to you next time. And until then, uh, stay faithful, be humble, and keep redeeming the dirt. Amen.